Hello, my name is Stephen Smith, the owner of 3Pi Squared, and this is the ABA Business Leaders Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our membership program. 3Pi Squared has helped over 700 ABA practices start up and expand. Our membership has over 45 hours of content from experts in the fields of law, accounting, diversity and inclusion, childhood development, mindfulness, business development, HIPAA compliance, marketing and branding, billing, and more. We also have discounts on things like our 3Pi Squared handbooks, professional liability insurance, background checks, HIPAA compliant email, contacts, calendars, and cloud storage. The membership also includes 33 CEUs, live Ask Us Anything events where you can come on and ask your questions as you're going through the program. And in our app, you can also add anonymous questions and get your answers. To learn more about the membership, please go to our website, www.3pisquared.com and click on ABA Business Leaders. And now let's get to the episode. Hello, everyone. The first thing that we're going to go over is the cost of turnover. Uh, I think it's really important as you're bringing on people or deciding what to add for benefits and onboarding people um, to talk about the cost of turnover. So we'll get into that. So you should see our website. And in the comments, I shared the link to this so that you can play around with this calculator as we go through it. It's just, it's important to know what the cost of turnover is, right? Especially on the RBT side. So we'll go through that. So the first thing you're gonna calculate is how many billable hours do you think you've lost for this, uh, for losing uh, uh, tech? So this would be, okay, they give their two weeks notice and then we now have to hire someone. And I'm sure everyone right now is having a lot of difficulty hiring someone. So if they're full-time, you know, getting 25, 38 billable hours a week. And now we have to, uh, we have them for two more weeks, maybe, maybe. Um, and now we're having to put out Indeed ads or whatever, ethical clinical career ads, whatever it is. Um, how many hours are gonna be lost during this time? We lose the person and then we bring the, the next person on, we train them. Um, how many billable hours are gonna be lost? So, so something to think about there. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but yeah, no. they, um, so it's almost never as easy as like, oh, you might lose two weeks of billables yeah. for the clients <laughs> yeah. that that tech yeah. had. Correct. Now there are some shuffling around sometimes like mm-hmm. the, the VSVA can take some of the direct service for a few of the hours maybe, or you can shuffle another tech in, or maybe you already had a tech that was part-time and they're wanting full, full-time. So you're able to pretty quickly put those hours over. But if you think about it, um, if you have that two-week notice, too, you have a little bit of time to make those plans and get that going or to get someone to start hiring them and get them through the process. But what happens, I mean, in my personal, like, experience and a few of my friends who are also business owners and have shared, like, you know, as we've shared our story some, it tends to be those last minute, um, those people who quit last minute or they just stop showing up. Sure. And so then, especially if they stop showing up and you're having to then wait and, you know, a few days as you're trying to contact them and then you find out, okay, well, they're not, they don't want to work with me right. anymore. And then, so then you, ha- then you're losing that time. Correct. Because you're not even actually looking or planning for the next thing yet. Um, so, so sometimes, I mean, it could be like, I mean, let's be realistic. Sometimes we, it's like six to eight weeks that Correct. you could lose. Now that's like probably, you know on the other end uh, or you know and then there's also those like one-off situations where you may not be able to replace that particular tech and you might have to help that client find other services yes. or you um that's happened to us before like if we had a tech who had very specific hours let's say they were willing to do like a 6 a.m shift mm-hmm. for like transitioning morning routine kind mm-hmm. of stuff and so we paired them with this person we took this 
client because, because we had like, yeah. hey, someone, this person yes. loves to do 6 a.m. shifts before, you know, and um, and now we don't have any staff member who's willing to do a 6 a.m. morning shift. The same like maybe a Friday night thing, you know, so so it's very, very specific, you know, like very um, just think about all of those things within your company and kind of how things are running that it, it could be couple yeah it's it's really important to analyze this and and get a good idea what in my experience talking to people uh you're probably going to lose four weeks that's That's probably probably about the average average. that's about the norm i guess it'd be about four weeks so let's say we're going to just go with 25 hours is a full week of of hours uh so we'll just say we're going to lose 100 hours okay not 30,100 but 100 hours and then what you can do is put in your billable rate. So uh, I don't know what your billable rate is, but um, let's say it's 60. Um, and then how many lost billables are your BCBAs going to lose? And this is based on interviewing, training, reviewing client files, things like this. So, you know, it might be five hours, right? Um, and then what is their rate? Okay, we'll just go with a 90. Now we're going to go into training costs. So how much does it cost for CPR training, RBT training? How much does it cost for crisis management? Things like that, right? So we'll go with the $500. Um, And then what is the training rate? So let's say it's $15 an hour. Um, And how many hours of that pay training? So again, we talked about this in our last one. You have to pay for required training. So how many hours? And normally onboarding a new staff member is going to be about two weeks, right? So I think that that's probably a reasonable amount of time. And then, okay, how much admin time are you spending? So like setting up their email, going through payroll and setting them up a practice management, getting them in the contacts, calendars, setting up the schedule, right? Because this person that you're hiring is not going to have the same schedule as the last person. It just very rarely does that work out. So now we're spending time trying to figure out how we can piece the schedule uh, back together with the new employee. So um, how much time does that take? And I know scheduling is terrible. Um, And then onboarding costs. And then, you know, how much are you paying your admin person, right? Uh, So let's, again, go with $15 an hour. I don't know what you're paying. And then onboarding costs. So how much does it cost to do background checks? How much does it set them up in payroll? Um, Education verifications, all of this stuff. How much does that cost? And then how many techs are you losing a year, right? So this is kind of where you can go with this um, and then figure out how much it costs to lose a tech. So let's see if this is gonna refresh. So with the cost of one tech based on those calculations, and I I would highly recommend just clicking on the link, playing around with it. You can do this on your own time, but it's $8,000, one person, right? So how many techs are you losing, right? Uh, And and you can kind of play around with this a little bit too uh, for BCBAs too. So. Imagine how many hours are lost if you lose a BCBA, right? Uh, that's insanity. Especially an <laughs> yeah. unplanned loss. Yes. Um, especially if you only have one or two BCBAs. Correct. Yes. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's worthwhile to just kind of see what this is going to do to your operation, right? And so when I'm coaching someone one-on-one... And we're talking about, okay, we're going to start onboarding staff. Okay, well, we go through the calculator, right? We, this is something that I, I, it's knowledge is power, right? So let's, let's talk about this. What is loss, like turnover loss, really going to cost you? Um, and then because a lot of people will come and say, well, I can't add, like, I can't give them health care. I don't have the money for that. I can't. I can't give them mileage reimbursement. I can't do CEU reimbursement right now. Like these are just things that I can't do. Uh, and I totally get that this, you got the money has to come from somewhere. Uh, but if we're, you know, what is it? Um, say, what is it? Uh, save a penny to lose a dime or something like that. I can't remember the expression, but if we're, uh, you know, trying to reduce the cost um, on the front end to just lose it because our turnover rate is so high because someone's going to go down the street for 
another dollar an hour or they're going to go down the street because there's healthcare benefits or they're going to go somewhere else because CEUs are reimbursed or education is reimbursed or mileage is reimbursed. Like these things are just like they're killers, right? Um, and this is just the loss of hours. This isn't the loss of your free time. This isn't the loss of clients that may never come back because like, dude, this is our fourth tech in the last six months. We're not doing this anymore, right? Like, so, uh, and then your reputation is, is hurt by this as well. So it's really important to uh, be able to look at this and say, okay, here's the cost of losing one tech. So what can we do with this money so we don't lose that tech, right? So we reduce our turnover rate uh, so we're not losing as many people every year. Um, and then while maybe it works out to be the same expenses, but if you're reducing your turnover rate, obviously your, your services are going to be higher quality, right? Um, and and your, your clients should be more satisfied. And you'll have um, definitely have more continuity of care because Correct. you, you know, won't have as much like back and forth and breaks in services and transitioning to new staff. Um, Cause it's one thing to transition to a new staff when it's planned and you're doing it for clinical purposes, like maybe to help um, match a skill set with a client and a uh, tech better or to help, you know, with generalization across people or, you know, all of those things. But that's a different story. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. So like implementing these systems is super important. Going back to even, again, I'm going to do another sale here, but April's a new course, the values-based leadership. You have like, until you realize uh, implementing that into your um, uh, company, how much better that environment can be, uh, especially if the environment is not conducive to employment at the current moment. Uh, it, it's just, it, it is a different difference and, and your employees will feel more valued. They'll, they'll want to stay on longer. Uh, they're willing to uh, do more for, for the same amount even. Like if you look at the research behind this, it's more important, uh, especially for millennials uh, and, and, and younger employees, it's more important to have a um, a meaningful environment, work environment, than a few dollars more an hour. Um, so setting these systems up, um, again, will reduce that turnover. And maybe you can give them both, right? Maybe you can give them well, both I the mean, environment and the race, right? I mean, since you brought it up, mm -hmm. man, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I like, controlled my impulse to just hop right in and be like, well, actually, the values-based stuff. But no, seriously, the, um, you know, I get it. Like, we, unless I'm... Unless I'm remembering wrong, but uh -huh. I don't think we were able to give health care when we first started. Not at the start, nope. no. No, and, and, you know, we always had, like, the desire to give, like, was it the 401k, like, the, mm -hmm. the retirement. Like, there were things on our list of, that we were really hoping to be able to get to the point where we could provide those. Um and we just we could we couldn't, right. but definitely in the beginning, like yes. it was it was. It, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Yes. Especially like when you're starting out, you're you're waiting to get credentialed. Mm -hmm. You know, like you maybe you hire a couple of BCBAs, you have the wait list, and then you get some, and you're stacking everything, and you're trying to put this puzzle together with the pieces half ripped off, and it's just a whole thing, right? <laughs> and so things that you can provide at a lower cost to you. I mean, you, I mean, would I mean, you know, versus like health insurance and stuff like sure. that, that if you can't provide that would be those like experiences within the community yeah. of your company. Yeah. yeah. And like, and there may be instances because it does depend on the state. You may have to have like several employees before you can even provide group health insurance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Anyway, yeah, um, it, it's just something something to be aware of. And it, uh, again, I would highly recommend. And, you know, for people that will be listening to this on our podcast, uh, we will put this link in the description so that you can then also play around with this. But, yeah, I would highly recommend just taking a look at this um, just to just to give you a sense of how much this is costing you, because it, it's really important and it can be very eye opening. Um, so I highly recommend it. Well, I know like when we were when we had our practice. And I mean, you know, Stephen did more of the business end of things. When he told me how much 
that it like costs to onboard a tech. I was floored. I had no idea. Like that's not like you, if I would have been like, oh no, a few hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. you, you don't think about it, right? It's just like, okay, let's hire another one. Um, and then like, you know, some people will get in this, you're always caught up, right? Like there are just times where we were constantly hiring people just to kind of tread water, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you get into that situation um, and you're just losing, uh, you're losing your mind along with all the money. Yeah. So, uh, so Brett <laughs> agrees. She says, I, I feel like sometimes it's the chicken and the egg scenario. Which yeah. one comes first? Absolutely. All right. So last time, now we're going back to the presentation. So last time we, we were just going to briefly summarize what we went through last time. Uh, and then we're going to get into the meat of today. The other thing I will say is that this is going, we got through two slides last time. Yeah. So the, the um, maybe three, I can't remember now, but, uh, but so we're going to go through uh, several more today, uh, try to hit the main topics. Mm -hmm. uh, but number three is for business members only. Uh, so we will be recording that uh, here shortly. Um, and then we will be uploading all three parts to the ABA Business Leaders membership uh, exclusively there. So, again, just another reason why it's so great to be an ABA Business Leaders member. Yeah, um, I'll be posting that schedule on, we'll be uh, advertising that on Facebook and then uh, for the members already, mm -hmm. we'll be sending out an email. But Correct. almost, it won't be during the same slot next week, but there will be another a, a, an additional yes. slot for that particular course. So we'll get that information out to everybody as soon as possible. So you can be looking forward to it and sign up and get your ducks in a row before we do it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so last week we talked about employee versus contractor and then require trainings, hourly versus salary, uh, drive time and mileage, right? And then we talked about like, you can have different rates for different tasks, um, as long as they're, you know, very specific in the offer letter. Um, then we talked about, you know, implementing your company values and using that, I highly recommend it, using that as part of the hiring process, it does make it so much easier. Uh, making it a team effort, if you have a team, right, start, but, um, you know, if you're if you have a team, bring them in. Having standard interview questions highly, highly important. And then making sure when you're interviewing people, you have clear expectations and you're following up um, timely and and um, you know bringing them through this process as best as you can. Because it is no matter who, right? Uh, the vast majority of people find this process, the interviewing process, the hiring process, especially if it's a company that you really want to work for, very, very stressful, lots of anxiety. So again, this is just using those values and guiding them through this process. Uh, it's just, it's going to increase the value of your company. Well, and it helps to show them, you know, like that you're there that, well, yeah. And that like that from the beginning, like kind of showing like that you communicate and you you follow up with what you say right. and, and all of that and like show up authentically and all those good things. Right. Um, all right. So onboarding. So we have put our Indeed account out or whatever. We've, we've interviewed people and we've, we finally picked one of the candidates. Um, and so now we're going to send out and offer a letter to this person. Um, so, you know, we talk about this a little bit at the last time but the offer letter has to have certain things in it. And I'm just gonna say it one more time. I said it like, I don't know, a hundred times last time. We are not attorneys. Uh, so it is very important if you're creating an offer letter that you ensure that it has everything that is required of your state. So, but we're gonna talk about the key components of the offer letter, all right? So things that you really need to have in your offer letter is the offer letter should have wages how and how are they going to be paid so is it an hourly rate is it a salary are they going to get paid weekly or bi-weekly paid time off is there any paid time off and how do they accrue more paid time off is there sick days um, and then benefits so are we going to be providing health insurance are we going to be providing mileage reimbursement are we going to be providing ceu reimbursement um, so those those are the things that 
uh, we need to have in them, right? Uh, is that an, an exempt or a non-exempt employee, right? And again, right. so is this a, a salary position without overtime or is this a salary position with overtime? So again, and then, you know, we talked about this last time as well, but it's okay. So we are going to have different rates for different tasks. So we're going to have a training rate and we're going to have a drive time rate and we're going to have a billable hourly rate. These need to be in there and they need to be explicit, right? So very, um, very specific definitions of what is and what isn't. And then having kind of a catch-all saying that if a hourly rate or if a task falls outside of this hourly rate, it will be paid at. So maybe the catch-all is it will be paid at the training rate or maybe it will be it'll be paid at the billable hourly rate, right? So you'll have to determine that. Uh, because those are questions that a, what would the word be to describe this person? Someone that is very thorough, uh, that is reading this offer letter, will have questions about. Okay, I see these these training, or I see these different rates, but what happens in this situation? So, you know, you want to, again, you want to come off as you're not a startup, right? You want to come off as you've got your stuff together. Well, I and mean, so, you don't want to hide that you're a startup, but you just want to show them sure, it's, it's sure. like, that you've hey, got this startup, everything we in have place. it together. Yeah, we got it yeah. together, yes. And so, um, and so having, knowing that those are things that are going to be asked of you uh, and having them in the offer letter already is a good idea, right? Spell it out. Yeah, absolutely. Provided all the details. Absolutely. <laughs> and so then the, the other things that you're probably going to want in the uh, offer letter is that this job is dependent on certain things. So it's going to be dependent on them actually having the the, the credentials that they, uh, uh, they claim to have. So maybe they're saying that they're an RBT or a BCBA or a BCABA or whatever. Right. It may it should also be dependent on getting a background check. Right. Um, so that those are um, those are things that need to be done. Uh, an education check. Um, you may also want to have it dependent on uh, a drug test. Right. So some of these are, are we're going to talk about this, I think, on the next slide. Um, maybe. Yes, we are. Um, so some of these background checks. Uh, especially are going to be contract dependent. Some of them are going to be state dependent and we'll kind of get into that a little bit as well. Um, but having, again, you're going to want to put that stuff in the background or in the offer letter. And then the other thing, uh, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit more detail in the non-compete, but the other things that we recommend adding, is we do not recommend a non-compete. I, I don't like that idea and we'll get into that shortly uh, but the other thing that you may want to put in there is like a non-solicit agreement or and a non-disclosure agreement uh, you may also want to put in like um, intellectual agreement so if you're doing something very custom specialized and you've created your own research on this and and you know um and and you have a very specific program that's intellectual property and you so you don't want them to just steal it and then take it and go right or maybe you have a you've created your own rbt training or you know it could be anything and so you want to make sure that your intellectual property remains with you and they can't just leave with it a non-solicit agreement would be on yeah, um, they leave and they start calling up all your clients and saying, "Hey, these guys suck. I'm amazing. Let's you know come come with me, right? That's not cool, and we don't want that to happen, right? So those things can be uh, put in there, and I think those are totally fine, right? We shouldn't be soliciting each other's clients. That that's not it, 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 for HIPAA compliance alone. That's not a good idea. Um, so that that." should be, you know, I, I believe that it, as far as the board ethics guidelines, I'm sure that would be a no-no, right? So uh, this one should be an easy, obvious one that everyone can agree on. And then what we did is like as soon, especially on the BCBA side, as soon as we sent out the offer letter and then we got the, um, we got it signed, um, then we, we started the credentialing process immediately, right? So we have it ready to go. Yes. Now, if they didn't sign it, we would just shred it. Correct. But we would go ahead and get it. Like we would have it prepped and like our admin was like, she would have like things already like 
you know, the stuff that needs to be paper who would have it like just already set up ahead of time and yep. just g- grab an empty packet out of the filing cabinet and yep. then have all the processes ready to go, have everything that you could fill out, filled out. If they didn't sign, shred it. If they do put those last few pieces in and get it out because. Yeah, we want this. Go- yeah, <laughs> we want this going out quickly. Right. And uh, this is another reason why we highly recommend having a, uh, a, a diverse group of funders uh, because right. some funders you can add them to the group very quickly other funders it's going to take three nine months right so um, if you hire a bcba and you can't bill for three to nine months then what uh what is going on here um so the other thing like kind of a side note on this you know when we were interviewing bcbas we would add this was a question in our standard interview questions what kind of a notice will you give your current company, right? right? And if they're like, yeah, all I need to give is two weeks, we typically would not hire that BCBA um, unless it was a very special circumstance. We were looking for six, eight, 12 week. Uh, well, yeah, right? like 30 days at least so yes. they could like do the proper transition time with Correct. their current with clients. With their current clients, yeah. yes. So, you know, this was like, uh, so there's that piece of it, but it's also on the other end, okay, if they're going to give them, you know, 12 weeks, then that's 12 weeks that they're going to get a paycheck. They're going to see their current clients. They can transition ethically. But then we're that's 12 weeks that we don't have to pay for them not seeing clients on our side, right? While the credentialing process is starting. And then hopefully by the time that 12 weeks is over, they're in network with one, two of our funders and we can kind of move forward, right? While we wait for the rest to come in. So that's just something to note, right? And then Obviously, everything that comes with the credentialing, making sure their CAQH is updated, making sure that you um, you get them added to your professional liability insurance, um, and making sure that you get all the information that is needed. So they're type one MPI, right? All of that stuff that you would need to submit these um, credentialing uh, applications. Um, and then also, again, guiding them through. So some of them they have to do individually. Some of them you can do, you know, like Blue Cross Blue Shield now. I believe you do it all in Availity. So that can be done by admin, but others you can't and they have to do it. So just making sure that you're following up with them, getting, um, you know, evidence that they submitted their applications and things like that as they're going through that process. You have anything uh, to add to that? Yeah, no, I think it's a good a good moment to kind of like pause and take a breath though before we go to the next thing. See if anyone has dun, any dun, questions. Dun. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean this is kind of the the piece of it where like it's it's just as what it is, right? Like right. it's it's just a lot of straightforward information. Right. Um, it's a lot of information to take in, and it can be a little dry and boring a bit. So like I was trying to. Um, think how can i like spice it up a little and make it more fun but there's nothing to it there's nothing to do i have nothing to add this is like accounting i'm not like like the uh, comic relief of today's um um, podcast Uh, but yeah no it's it's really important stuff though and i think some of these pieces are things that can get overlooked when you're first starting out or maybe you you know you're in you know well into your practice and just things you haven't thought of or just on that list of things to do of i need to figure out like how to do this better you know like so so these things are all very important and i think it's like helpful the little tips like just um hey go ahead and start credentialing or you know like things like that because we don't think about it i mean we even like kind of fine-tuned it where within our hiring process for like the admin or whoever was like in charge of keeping it all together like we started putting like little like in our spreadsheet, we like put like little notes of like, remember at this, as soon as you get this, send the credentialing right. or like, um, I can't think of now, but like very specific, like other pieces that would need to happen at the same time right. to kind of keep things moving mm-hmm. in a quick, because that is another thing during the hiring process. It, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces. And especially in the beginning when it's just you doing all the things and wearing all the hats, mm-hmm. um, this pro- it can slow the process way down. Like not even just credentialing, but like just getting the person in the door and hiring them. Sure. It just slows. It can just, it can just get bogged down because right. there's so many pieces or, you just go ahead and you hire the person, you get them in, you start working with clients before you even finish this process. So as much as some of this stuff is like tedious and 
it's all very important right. and it's you know yeah the the other question that i get quite often is okay you know because hey i this is what they did at my last company uh but like is okay while well, we're waiting for this bcba to get in network with our funders in our group can we just bill them under another mm. somebody else's npi so they'll do the supervision and, and i mean that's a good piece of information yeah the answer is absolutely no so please don't do that so yeah. the 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 rule of thumb uh when you're credentialing is if the funder has a credentialing process then you have to follow that credentialing process. So if you are to bill them under someone else's NPI, get them to do the work and then bill it under someone else's NPI and submit that, that is quite literally the definition of fraud. So that is yeah. you are saying that someone else did this work, um, what, but that's not true, right? So it's really important that you do not do that. Now, there there may be some instances where you can do that. So some funders will allow a BCBA to provide a direct service under another BCBA, but some won't. So again, this is where it's really important to understand your funders' contracts and what they'll allow and what they won't allow. Uh, so as you're going through this process, really important to do that. Please do not put that BCBA under someone else's NPI and start billing. That is not a good idea. Um, unless your contract explicitly says that. But my my pushback to that would be then why do they even have a credentialing process? And why would they just not add them immediately to the group, right? Um, and some do that, right? Well, Where and that's why just, you said, like diversify your yes, funders because yes. there are some you're just like, hey, Yes. Hey, Jan, we have a new BCBA, yeah. blah, blah. I mean, I don't know if it's that easy as no, it used not, to be, but, yes. but like at yeah. one point it yeah. was like, oh yeah, let's just add her in our group. Okay, Correct. well, start, we'll backdate it when she starts. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like too bad they're not like that anymore. Right. But, but that, you know, or, or it could be like, it doesn't matter. Like no. you have to go through the six months, just like you're starting from scratch. Correct. So yeah, that, definitely. Yep. So that's just something to be aware of as you're going through this process that, you know, we get a lot of questions on. Um, so again, now we're getting into non-competes. Now, in our membership, uh, we do uh, we do discuss this um, in a little bit more detail. Uh, we talk to an attorney, actually two different attorneys on non-competes uh, and their feedback on non-competes. So we don't recommend a non-compete. I, I think that in the vast majority of situations, you can avoid a non-compete. I've already discussed it. Intellectual property agreement, non-solicitation agreement, maybe a non-disclosure agreement uh, that will effectively get you what you're wanting without going to the nuclear option, which is the non-compete, right? And, and especially, especially, I feel, on the RBT side, okay? They aren't making, like, they're, they're not gonna be living in a mansion right they're they're gonna be you know probably making and meet ends meet um with your your wages um and they can't just move a hundred miles away or to a different state uh because they they now have a non-compete in place and they're no longer allowed to be an rbt in your state so i do not recommend having that and, and the same for bcbas i just i don't recommend this at all um so stay away from the non-competes um, now, when we talk to attorneys on this, um, if you make a non-compete too vague, so saying like um, that you can't, let's say uh, uh, something that may be vague is like, what is it that they're not allowed to compete with, right? So are, are they not allowed to go to the school system, right? Or are they not allowed to go to a speech uh, therapy um, company where, you know, or are they not allowed to actually use, like, even say, go to maybe a police department and start a behavioral, like, are they not allowed to do even that stuff, right? So that it is so vague that they cannot even work, right? Essentially, you've locked them into, in this certain radius, you're not allowed to function as a human and you cannot work. You just can't pay your bills. In, in a case like that, your non-compete is useless anyway. And then the other thing uh, is if your radius is too large. So you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to say they can't work within 250 miles. That That is unreasonable. Um, and so like that will be thrown down. Like th that will be thrown out. You're not going to get away with that stuff. So 
you know, like a lot of what we talk about, what is the intention uh, behind the non-compete? Is it you have a very specialized system that is uh, very unique to your company? Then use an intellectual property right, uh, agreement. Um, are you really concerned about this person stealing your clients? Um, you know, then, then do a non-solicit agreement, right? Um, but having this person not be able to, to provide services to the people that we're all just trying to help. Yeah, I mean, and that can go along with, um, with like, like you said, the intention of like, why, why? Like, right. are you doing it because you think you're supposed to? Like, right. oh, let me check that box because right. it's just the thing that I've heard people it, like you should do. Or, um, yeah, like the, the examples that you just mentioned, because um, like, why, you know, why? And, and why do I want this? And then like one of these other things that might be in place for that, these documents that you were saying, but then there could be other things outside of that of like just in how you're building the your your company and your culture that some of that's just going to kind of take care of it but i mean it's not it's not like we're out there like um creating some new technology of like i don't know something Again, that's gonna even if you were maybe you're in you a were. really high tech aba company yeah. and you're using virtual reality and you're making software and that's products, true using an that's intellectual true. property agreement that's right? true that fits better yeah i don't think i have anything else to say <laughs> about it i just so yeah. yeah especially like on the other side like and so you know we've talked to a bcbas on this as well and you know on the other side of it right we have like I don't, so there's no we, but you all, BCBAs listening, uh, BCABAs, RBTs have an ethics uh, an ethics code, right? right? And so the other piece of it is if you go ahead and sign this non-compete, uh, part of, I believe, your ethics code is that you will, uh, things that you sign, you will follow, right? And so that, that puts the BCBA signing this ridiculous non-compete in a violation of their ethics, which again is ridiculous. So like we just shouldn't be doing this, right? Like, again, there is more than enough people that need help that we don't need to be doing this. And the other thing that if you're in the middle of hiring and you're, you're having difficulty with turnover rates and uh, this may be one of the reasons why. So, uh, a lot of people will look at this offer letter and it says, "Oh, there's a non-compete in it." Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going with this company, right? Like, why did? Why do they have a non-compete? Like, is it? Is, are they having that much of a difficult time finding people that they? The only way that they can keep people is by having a non-compete in there and scaring them. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess so, I just you know, I'm just I don't know. This is just my own personal uh -huh. thing. But like, eh, yuck, gross. <laughs> like, right. you know, I mean, right. and and not to judge anyone who who has. This, but like I just I would I like it just doesn't feel you you I I feel like you would feel trapped and right. I've never worked I've not I don't think I don't think I've ever signed a non-compete I don't think I've ever worked with anyone here I have as an that. engineer I, I have signed a non-compete did yeah. you feel like trapped or was it was it worded in a way where you felt comfortable enough that you would have yeah. options yeah I mean again it was more of an intellectual property thing uh versus a like um you know like you can't work in a certain amount of area right uh or a, a range of mm -hmm. you know, so th that's fine now, i just right? think i just and i you know because like i just think about very specific like things i think of like the the tech who was amazing and you know there's many of them that worked for us but like let's for example like someone's husband got a job like in the next county mm -hmm. and so they're moving right like maybe just 45 minutes to an hour down the road right. but it's too far to work with us still because of the drive time with our clients and our kids are in school now in a different county and all of that. Like, would I want to keep her from being able to get a job? Like, I don't know. Right, I just right. whatever. I mean, even if they do stay in that area, again, like there are more than enough people that need our help. Well, I want people working with me who that that be choose there. to yes. be there and not yeah. that are being forced yeah. to be there. I guess that's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I guess that was kind of what I was dancing around. But like, yeah. I don't want someone to have to work for me. Right. Right. <laughs> like you, you're not happy here you, for you, whatever you, you, reason you, yeah. you you go have fun good luck yes. in life you know yeah. 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 all right let's move it on 
Okay, so we've <laughs> talked about the non-competes, right? We don't we don't think that they are a good idea in in this field. Period. Uh, generally, they're not enforceable, especially if you're making it so if you're limiting employment so much that it basically they don't have the ability to work. And, and I, again, especially on the RBT side, they're not making so much money. Um, that they can just leave your area, right? Like that's just not feasible. So I, I just, you know, let's move past these. Um, and you, again, you can use intellectual property. You could use non-solicit, you can use non-disclosures to get you where you need to go without forcing someone to stay with you and not be able to work for somebody else. So once we've moved past that, we've submitted the offer letter. Uh, it's uh, also uh, the offer letter, I failed to mention this, but it's contingent upon like, obviously following all of our policies and procedures within the company, right? And so that, now, again, you may get someone before they sign the offer letter that says, oh, hold on now, what are the policies and procedures of your company? And so just be aware that you're going to see people like that. Again, you know, this, uh, I might be one of those people. <laughs> so uh, it would be, okay, here's the employee handbook, right? And and here's our policies. You can see them online or here's a copy, whatever it may be. So just be prepared that you may have someone, again, especially the higher you go up in leadership, they may want to see this stuff before signing on, right? So um, be aware of that and have that ready to go so you're not delaying things. Um, and then acknowledgement of receipt of the handbook, super important that you get that. Um, and having control over your handbooks is also super important. So we don't want anyone that doesn't need an editable policy and procedure document, and they should not have them. So they should have a you know PDF version or a website version of your handbook that they can read. Uh, we do highly recommend uh, putting a version on the handbook. So when they when they do sign the acknowledgement of receipt right. of the handbook, that it's I signed it on this date and it was version ABC-235. So like there's no disputing, okay, this is the one. Because the reason why you need this is it's for the employees that well, when we get into conflict, <laughs> when we get into issues where, you know, they're, we're maybe having to fire them, right? Um, uh, and so that we don't want them coming back saying, well, I didn't know that this was a rule, right? And so, well, hold on now. You signed this version. Here's this version of the handbook. Obviously, this, this, this is our, our rule. This is our guideline. Uh, this is our policy. Uh, so it's in here. You, you should you should have known it, right? Um, so yeah, that's important. And then anytime you add something new, you up, make it update. Even if it's like okay, you're adding on this new update, um, but you're not going to be like updating the entire handbook. You just need mm -hmm. to get this on. Just make sure you distribute it to everyone that everyone signs. However, you want to do Maybe that. Initialing the, it or acknowledgement of yeah, receipt some of kind it of acknowledgement, like mm -hmm. some kind of signature that they've. That they have read it, understood it, and uh, you know, and have it. Um, that is uh, definitely important. And then I think that, especially when you're beginning and you're updating and you're you know growing stuff, often that um, it is an important thing to like refer back to it, to like have people refer back to it. Um, so that could even look like quarterly. Everyone's got to. Reread the oh sure you yeah. know reread yeah. the the yeah. handbook or or either or that or um, anytime someone comes to you with an issue that's really minor and you know the answers in the handbook you're like oh that's on page yeah. three yeah. reach back out to me if you have further questions that was one of the best I know that's not hundred percent onboarding we're talking about just making sure they know that you know if they ask for the handbook that you know that they can have um, at least review over it or give them a list of what the policies are um, and then receipt that they did it but just a little tidbit of information it's it's a really great tool um, as you start to grow to like learn to refer people back to the handbook because it also helps it to become like a real tool and not just this random thing that's in the back shelf somewhere right. um, it keeps people referring back to it and it also helps with your cutting down on those like 
questions that can easily be answered without your time having to mm-hmm. write an email or pick up the phone. Yeah, and in our handbooks that we you know provide uh, again on our website is we add quizzes to them, right? That you can use, and I do highly recommend doing that for some of the the parts of the handbook. You're gonna need to do some kind of a competency check anyway. So like fire and evacuation, infectious disease, HIPAA compliance, right? right. And, you know that again would be part of the onboarding process. I'm not sure that we're gonna get there in here so having those trainings and then just making it an open book right that you have to review the policies and then just pull random policies out of of the air right and say what do you do in this situation and the goal of this quiz for us at least it was not that they remember uh, you know, five dash one subsection three two four five and memorize you it in their head. You must memorize your handbook. No. <laughs> it's uh, that they knew. Okay, here's the website I go to, or this is the Dropbox folder that I find the policy in, and then I can do a search in a PDF document, and I can answer the question so that they know that the policies are there. And then getting into the handbook side of things, and maybe we're getting off on a tangent, but like- That's it's what I'm really, best at. Yes. You're welcome. It's really important that your policies are continuously being updated because that's the last thing, I'll tell you, that's very demoralizing, especially on that, you know, in my experience on the engineering side is, you know, they say go to the handbook or go to the work instructions. And then, you know, 90% of the time, the work instruction is not actually what you do don't do that right so it's it's like yeah. it really important that if you are going to point, point them in this direction that it is a useful tool and not just a tool to be avoided at all costs but that brings us back to onboarding make sure that when you have a new hire coming in and you have them read the handbook mm-hmm. if there's a part in there that's no longer up like it's out of date it's no longer something you do and you just haven't had time to get to it Cross it out and say, hey, don't worry about section eight. We don't do that anymore. Right. We're, we're working on an ongoing policy and we'll get that out mm-hmm. to you or whatever. Like, So make sure that you give this new hire like the most up-to-date information that right. you have. And then if not, communicate that to them that, so, you know, that something's in the works of changing. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I tell this to people all the time, like documents are like policies and procedures are living documents. Yeah. They're never done. Right. It's not like you can just say, aha. I've completed this thing and then put it up on the shelf and let the, you know, let it get covered in dust. It doesn't work that way. You're going to find new ways of doing things all the time. You're going to learn, you're going to grow, you're going to change. But I mean, I speak from, from, from personal experience. Like I did that. Like we, like, you know, like a few years in, Mm because we like made our policies and procedures. We're Mm -hmm. like, oh, great. We have this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we would like have this list of things we should add. Now, if there was something like, super super important that was very urgent like we would send out like a memo Mm -hmm. email kind of thing and get make sure we had a receipt that everybody received it and Mm -hmm. we would like have a chat about it but like just put it on the shelf it's over here Mm -hmm. and it was like i don't know maybe three years after we like got it done that i had this beautiful amazing wonderful tech who came in was like i don't no, is this for a different company? <laughs> and so really, honestly, that's what, that was part of what, um, you know, fired Steven up to like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's get this thing. April, you got to update this thing. And then he just took it over and ran with it. So, yeah. All right. What do we have next? So avoiding multiple relations and conflicts of interest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when opening an agency or hiring staff, it's important to adhere to the BACB ethics code. And I believe this is 1.06 regarding relationships. So um, multiple relationships becomes, becomes a concern when a behavior analyst is co-mingling two roles, personal and professional. While nothing prohibits RBTs from owning a company or a BCABA from owning a company, it would be a concern if that the RBT or the BCABA hired a BCBA as an employee or even a co-owner, co-owner, oh my God, I cannot say that word, co-owner. Say it with me. (laughs) And and that BCBA was providing that RBT or that BCABA supervision, right? Like we can't do that. So that's very important. And we talked about contractor versus employee last time. This would be where a BCBA contractor would come in. So they would be supervising that RBT or they would be supervising that BCABA on those particular cases to avoid that uh, dual relationship, right? Like imagine if 
your your boss was you were supervising your boss how does that work even if it was a perfect relationship like i mean that's why this is here it's to protect people um and so if you are in the situation where you you are bcaba and you're you're the owner or you're starting a company um and you want um want some consulting on there's some very specific things that that you should look at when hiring this consultant and how they're driving all the things around that so feel Mm -hmm. free to reach out to us if you um need specific uh, consulting on that because right. we definitely so, have experience. Know, and then like, you know, again, talk to the board, right? Get their opinion on this. Uh, what is, there's an ethics hotline or something, right? Isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you want to, if you want to question whether you can hire a BCBA, if you're a BCABA, yeah, to just, then also get your supervised correct supervision yeah. just from making sure that you're following all the board's ethical concerns. Oh yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, as um, long as you don't do that, then. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one that we get asked quite often, and we find this situation, and I'm honestly on the fence about this one. Is okay. So you have a BCBA that gets hired. Um, by a company that is a maybe it's a non-owned a non-bcba owned company okay okay and so they hire a bcba and one of the clients is the owner owner's child oh yeah yeah so i don't even want to touch that one i have my own opinions but i would say like reach out to bailey i don't know if bailey's still behind the ethics hotline at bacb or not but like yeah i would i would and so anyone listening to this or watching this i would love your opinion on yeah and and, and like let's have a conversation the pushback i give on this one is okay and i've I've been there i've talked to people Mm -hmm. about this okay there are no aba companies in 70 miles yeah and so, like, part of the reason why this person is building the company is so that their family member can get services. And also because if, if my family member, my son, my, my daughter can't get services, then I bet you there's a whole bunch of people in this area that also can't get services. Yeah. So, like, I want to make a company. Um, and obviously, if I'm making this company, I want my child also to get services. So, like, that is the scenario that I would, fi- like, now, if there are, like, a hundred companies in the area, then, yeah, please, you know, right. your child probably should not be going to your practice. I mean, it's going but, to depend on the circumstances, of course, right, yes. Right. And because I, I also am, am of the school of thought that, like, the ethics stuff is not black and white. Sure. Like, there's so many nuances and gray in there. But um, but if you did, like, you know, they're getting not an attorney, but I would definitely really look at it. And spell it out mm-hmm. and write it down right. and follow it right. and communicate often right. um, to make sure that you have it set out in a way that all parties are comfortable with mm-hmm. and no one is in a, like, compromised sure. position. Sure. Um, and, and then, you know, it, it, yeah. Again, talk to the uh, the board about this, right? Like, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying you should do it this way. I'm just telling you that this is a scenario that I have talked to several people about over the years. And and so I don't know what is right there. But I would say in this scenario, you definitely want to be upfront with the BCBA you're hiring, right? Like, just letting them know, hey, you know, part of why I'm hiring you is because I need a BCBA for my my son or my daughter right um so that you're upfront about the scenario and then having something in place so that um that like if there is a conflict that it can be resolved in a in a in the in the right way right yeah. and having yeah. those things in place before something terrible happens i mean it's very similar to having a service agreement and an operating agreement between partners when you're starting a practice you know you want to have that operating agreement in place before you the the relationship falls apart right so right. having those things in place when you're still buddies right you're still friends that's when you do it so that as you <laughs> as things fall apart and and things get angry and heated you have those systems in place um, to make those decisions and you've agreed to them, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that this is probably a similar situation. But we want to avoid those multiple relationship conflicts of interest and be upfront about maybe mm, those gray areas when yeah, you're bringing people absolutely. on. Especially if you're, if you're providing services in, like, a remote area sure. or a location where, like, because we were just talking to someone not that long ago that 
was starting a practice in an area where there are no providers. Right. Um, and then you have more densely have more more providers sure, within the sure, same line. Yeah. Like I think of like Florida, right? Yeah. Or most, and not probably not all, but most parts of Florida, yeah, you can yeah, access yeah. ABA therapy. Right, right. Um, and and then there are other areas where. So that's all. I mean, and there again, that's yeah. It's yeah. all going to depend on the situation for right. sure. All right. all right. All right. So we got we got through one slide. Um, so, <laughs> so we're going to go through. We'll go through background checks really quickly. Right. Um, and then, like I said. We would love for you all to join our membership. For members uh, watching this, you will get part three of this uh, where we go into required trainings. Uh, we go into uh, other important items, how, how to you know do performance evaluation, how to do warnings and termination. Uh, so we'll get through that. Um, so I, I, I can, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could even extend like the, the term warnings and termination to a fourth one even, and I can really go into like, how to fire people, like how to terminate, yeah, because it's, yeah. there's it's, a, it's there's a, a, there's a skill, there's a nuance there. And there's a yeah. lot of pieces that, um, that we could really go into if, if you guys were interested in that. Yep. Um, okay. So background checks, you know, as I mentioned uh, at the start, right. Um, it does depend on the state and it also will depend on your contracts. Yes. So like you may have like some state funding or county funding or school funding, uh, and when you sign this contract, it may require that you do a fingerprint check on right. all your staff or something. Right? Well, I know like TRICARE, right? Like they have like a very specific, specific like, background check that type needs to be of done. Thing. And then we had like a county contract once in a county of Virginia and they had a very specific like form with a very specific stamp that had to be done on yep. it and that had to go to a specific police um, department. So, yeah. So yep. just make sure before you... Um, just do a run a quick check and, and and say check done that you make sure you have all the, the very that specific you're doing the right correct thing. background checks because if not you might it's like staff. not even doing one correct so like what are the typical background checks that you're going to run into uh and, and i should say you know i mentioned the contracts but the state too so you know your state may require again it, it's typically do i fingerprint or not fingerprint right so like um, the rest, I highly recommend doing, um, but it's it's just a matter of can I get fingerprints or not? And again, that's going to depend on your contracts and then the state. So many states, most states, I believe, um, if you're working with uh, children, uh, they're pretty much going to require that you get fingerprint checks. Um, so if you're not getting fingerprint checks, I do highly recommend it. Um, um, but again, some states may not let you do it unless it's explicit in your contracts, right? So again, you're just going to have to follow up with your all of your contracts and your state requirements um, and make sure that you're doing what is required on the fingerprint check. Um, other things that you're definitely going to want to do is like a sex offenders check. Uh, that that's not a good idea um, to have someone with on the sex offenders list uh, working with children, obviously. Uh, so that that's something that you really want to make sure you're you're checking, uh, doing a basic background check. Um, you know, part of again getting into the membership again, but we do have a thirty percent discount with um, Good Hire at this moment. Uh, background checks. So as any any of the members listening, check out the deals section in Curiosity Based Management and you can get that discount there. Uh, and then also checking malpractice checks. Um, so this may be going to your like if they have a board of medicine license, checking on the board, the state's board of medicine license and see if there's anything there uh, and then doing education checks. So education checks. I mean, you can hire someone to do the education checks. But what what we've been told and recommended to do is just get the the uh, the uh the potential employee to um get their transcripts from their college sent to you so yeah so, so they, they would be sealed yeah, yeah, sealed they'll mm -hmm. get it in a letter um many times it's going to be a certified letter and then you will have this sealed copy of their transcripts and then you're verifying their education that way and that's typically the simplest way to do it and then on that does cost money so you should be paying if you require it then you should be paying for that um so that they're not on the hook for that right yeah um and, and i think about education checks is more and more uh funders are requiring this or they're at least requiring you to state that like 
you verified it. You verified it. Like that, right. like if they, you know, that the information that you're providing the funder should be correct to the best of your knowledge. So if you're providing information to a funder that someone has a certain degree and it turns out they don't, like it's on you, right? right. So, but it, this is one that um, I was a little bit surprised on. There were a couple of instances over the 10, 12 years that uh, so people just lie. People lie. Yep. Yeah. And just, if your funder a, requires a certain level of education and now they have like a two year degree and they say they have a four year degree, uh, what, what do we just do here? Right. Well, have yeah. we committed fraud? I mean, in the early years before, like even especially even when we um, weren't working with insurance, mm-hmm. you know, like we we had um, count some county contracts and stuff and they didn't require it. But even then, like. I just took people for their word of like what they said on the sure. resume. Um, and so I think at very minimum have like requesting, um, like he said, like the transcripts, yep. even um, high school transcript. Now, I mean, if they have college transcripts, I mean, I feel like it's pretty safe to go with that. Like the latest, like completed um, education. Right. Um, but especially if you're dealing maybe with um, maybe some college students and, or I don't know, just make sure, make sure you have what, make sure they can supply with, uh, evidence to support what they say they mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. And, and then you may also need a drug test, right? Um, and so, again, checking your contracts, checking with your state on when if you can do that. Uh, so those, those would be the basic background checks that you would want to do typically on your staff. And so I have kind of one more thing to kind of... Um, kind of flow this back to the previous slide is what we did when we uh, offer, sent someone an offer letter, even if they didn't, you know, cause it was rare that we would have somebody say, well, I'd like to review your handbook before I accept this offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just had a simple checklist of what the onboarding would look like. Sure. And we just had like, so it was like, um, right. it just, just simple, like literally like TV test, uh, right. uh, background check, education check, blah, blah, like just, just bulleted mm-hmm. list on a spreadsheet so that there were no surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, I would typically send it to them along with the offer letter um, just so they know. And so like things like education checks and drug checks and things like that, like you're just, you're just kind of putting it out there that right. this is the thing, right. you know? Yeah. And that also gives them like the template, like the journey that they're going to go yeah. on in the onboarding process and what to expect. And, and then they can ask more questions if they have those. Right, but it, but it also helps them. Um, uh, yeah, um, but that that's it. I that's mean, it we for spent today. An hour going through this. It's um, it's you know no wonder you know I, I don't even know why we didn't think to like really break down the hiring process. I mean, I know it's in your it's in your mm-hmm. membership, right? Mm-hmm. But um, and, and then we started getting some questions from you guys about it, and uh, there's a lot to it. I mean, the hiring yeah. like if you if right now you're in this place where you're trying to start hiring or you're already have been hiring and you feel like you're making mistakes or you feel overwhelmed, like, I just want to say that's okay. That's normal. Yeah. Like, it's no, this is big. This is a huge process. You're dealing with a lot of legal stuff. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with people. You, there's a lot of anxiety there. Of like, okay, well, I need this person. Like, you have to have certain pieces in this certain order to make things work. Mm-hmm. And so if things aren't working in that order and you're not getting the staff, but you have the clients and you, or you have the clients where you're not getting the staff or you have staff, but they can't work evenings and all your clients yes. need even, you know, blah, all this stuff. Yes. So no, yeah, it, you know, it's real. It's a real struggle. And, and, you know, I just want to like validate you guys if you're feeling like really overwhelmed and stressed in, in the hiring process, because it, it, it is, it's a lot, but it also can can be done. Like it's yeah, it's do, it's, it's doable. It's doable. Like, like learn mm-hmm. from our mistakes. So so what we're carrying through here, right? We're discussing is fifteen years of mistakes, right? Like <laughs> we're we're hoping that you all can avoid some of the mistakes that we've made, right? And again, having an attorney uh, is so important, and and having the foundation in place before you start hiring Ooh. just makes it so much easier. Did we say to make sure that you have your offer letter reviewed by an attorney before you we give did. it out? Yep. Did we yeah, say that? I do. Okay. Yeah, I highly recommend. Like that, at least yeah. the first mm-hmm. one for your template. Yes. Right. Like yeah. that's really odd. And then yeah. if you change your template, but yeah, yeah. don't just, don't be throwing stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's important, like some cities have their own minimum wage requirements. So making sure that you're doing that, making sure that, you know, you you have, again, having those explicit definitions on on different pay rates. If you're going that route, do I have to pay for mileage reimbursement? Right. I just didn't know if you were very specific that make sure Mm -hmm. you have that template for the higher uh, the offer letter, like reviewed, make sure everything in there is like 
okay with the law because you just don't want to like throw random stuff on there and you're not really supposed to be right. like saying or asking of those right. things. That's right. all I'm saying. Right. Cause I, you know, you think, Oh, everybody can have a drug test, but there are certain parameters around it for certain things. Anyways. So, so yeah, so it's a big, it's a big real process. And so, yeah, we're here to help. If you guys need anything along your journey with working on this, those of you guys who are in, who are already members or those who are going to be joining us as, as members soon, we will have, um, that information out to you probably by the end of tomorrow. We'll, we'll probably get that scheduled this evening for when we're going to do number three, number three, possibly number four, we'll yeah. get that information out yeah. to you guys soon. And then, um, and then we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, feel free to comment on uh, the live if any any questions come up. But yeah, then absolutely. You can reach us at Stephen's and like in, in the membership already, we do have the hiring process already laid out. Uh, but we are going into a lot more detail and we're slowing things down. And that's what we're doing in the membership now. We're just trying to expand upon things, you know, and and just kind of go a little bit slower. And and that's kind of the feedback that we've gotten. And so, you know, it, it's there for you now. And you can post anonymous mm -hmm. questions in there right now um, and come to the live events right now, right? Take yeah. advantage of what's in there. But yeah, I mean, part, you know, we talk about policies and procedures and having a, a, a continuous improvement processes in your own company. Well, this is part of our continuous improvement. Exactly. Right, is there's always more information that we can provide. There's always stuff that we're learning, right? Um, and and, well, and so too, just like you guys, when you're starting out, you're just trying to throw out the information sure. and get it. Like you're like, it doesn't have to be A plus work. Like C minus work can be okay sometimes. I mean, <laughs> no, really, it like yes, it can. As long as everything's legal and everything's okay, you know that. Like if it's not as pretty or it has like it's not as. If it's more rushed than you would want, I like will agree to you, disagree. You have to get it out there, and then you continuously improve it sure. as you go. Yes, yes. Yeah, continuously yeah. improve. Yeah, Absolutely, you, you can see. Um, so yeah, so those of you who are um, members, also we will be posting the um, March live, live Q and A, like the Soon. live events. Yes. We'll get, we'll be, we'll have those posted probably by the end of the week too. Um, so that's end of um, next week probably. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll get that up. So be looking on. Facebook and checking your email for those of you who are members yes. and uh, we'll be getting all those dates to you. And then like we've already talked about it, but check out that link on the, the, the payroll calculator, not the, pay, the, the turnover calculator. I highly recommend just taking a look at that and trying yeah. it out. It can be very it's re helpful. Like it's, it, it's really, it's eye opening. It's eye -opening. It can be very helpful. Yeah. Um, and then last thing, just um, please uh, subscribe. Yes, to our please. Yes. If, if you can like and subscribe, review it like that just helps us provide more free content um, and it just get, helps us get our name out. Um, so we we really appreciate it. If you find value in this, which yeah. we hope you do, uh, that you could also just take a few minutes and go on to Spotify or go on to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasty yeah. thing that you all use uh, and just uh, give us a like, a review, a subscribe. It's super helpful. You have no idea how much we appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, so like, you know, we keep saying like one more thing, one more thing, one more yeah, thing sure, today. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Okay. No. Okay, done. Yeah, done. All right. We're good. Uh, thank you. And um, yeah, we'll have a new topic next week for this. Oh, I remembered. Oh, great. If you, anyone has any topics, oh, yeah. yep. send them our way. If yeah, there's absolutely. something you want us to cover that we haven't covered, yep. send it our way. And, and we can see if it's something we can do. Absolutely. All right, guys. Have a great day. See ya. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about 3Pi Squared and the products and services that we provide, please go to www.3pisquared.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe or add it to your favorites. This way you won't miss any episodes. And you can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching 3Pi Squared. Thank you so much for listening.